This is the Straight Dope Podcast. I'm going to keep this intro short. I want you guys to go to milehighshooting.com and check out everything that they've got. And imagine what that equipment and reloading stuff could do for your shooting goals. Then I want you to go to Utah Air Guns and look at their inventory and imagine what it would be like to shoot air rifles that are extremely precise and capable of standing shoulder to shoulder with rimfire rifles. And then I want you to go to Cobalt Kinetics and look at their carbines. We talk about products that Mile High sells and carries, ammunition, firearms, scopes. We talk about air rifles and rimfire rifles, and we talk about Cobalt Kinetics carbines in this podcast. And so I just wanted to say, go check that stuff out. They are supporting this podcast and this episode. So uh, do us all a favor and check out their stuff. Let's get going with Ray Helms, the X-Ring channel on YouTube. He's awesome and a great resource. All right. So the reason I, well, I mean, I've wanted to have you on like lots of times, but you know, when I think of shooters that I've met around the country, it's a very small group of people that are like not only well-versed, but well-versed and have the depth of experience um, to talk about their experiences and be able to like get into to the nitty gritty. And whenever I think of anything, like, you know, I think of you and we've, man, we've seen each other all over the country. Um, yeah, we have We've shot individual matches, team matches. Um, should we've been on TV? We've like just hung out and, and done random yeah. shit. And, um, but what fascinates me about you, not only is, is how long you've been involved in, in, you know, shooting and competing, but the fact that you've been really successful at disciplines that I think like, you know, I don't, I don't have much experience in three gun, but in field shooting, you know, I shoot carbines. And so I feel like, okay, I'm a good carbine shooter, but I'm thinking it at a pace that's much slower and, and, and targets that are small. So, it, it, and, and having a system that you can use at distance and up close, it's fascinating. And you can do both. You've, you've gone to competition dynamics matches um, and, and other precision gas gun matches, team matches that are a little more methodical, require more wind, more distance, more thought, but then you're also wildly successful at three gun shooting. And so I wanted to talk to you about carbines and their applications and how you've kind of progressed over the years, because there aren't that many people that, I mean, I can't really think of shooters that can perform at that high level across all those disciplines. Um, and, and yeah. I mean, I can think of you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so, yeah, you know, the, the, I, no, I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's something that's always been kind of a lifelong goal for me, you know, cause I, I started shooting really, really young. And when you said somebody that's well-rounded, that's just because I'm old, right? Um, no, I'm, I'm 52. I'm not in the shape that you're in. That's for dang sure. I found that out after surviving man, you know, you're a freaking beast and I should probably take better care of myself, but I do pride myself in 
taking the time to learn a discipline and to get very, very proficient with it. So for me, it was a big learning experience. Now, starting off, uh, you know, shooting NRA high power, which really no one does anymore. I mean, it's almost a dying sport. It's still out there and there are still clubs that are trying to, to do that discipline but you know that was back in the day when it was all run by dcm which is the division of civil marksmanship it was started by the government to promote uh, marksmanship among the civilians and you know typically that match was shot with an m1 garand and if you shot a match and i think you had to shoot like two matches you would just turn in your scores and from the military from the armory. So you would actually just get a, the next one off the shelf and one Garand or Garand, however you want to say it. And you could get it for like, I think back in the day, it was like 250 bucks. Wouldn't you love to have like 10 of those? They would let you do it once. And you know, that was shooting across the course positional. You were shooting 200 yards, 300 and 600 iron sights only. And I attribute, I guess my ability to do stuff today to that, because, you know, it was the fundamentals of positional shooting with iron sights, you know, at two and 300, that was for time. And, you know, at 60 seconds, we'll see at 200 yards, it was uh, 10 rounds offhand at 200. And then you had to do 200 yards and it was from standing to sitting 10 rounds but you had to incorporate a magazine change. So you had a magazine of two, magazine of eight. Then you went to 300 yards and it was standing to prone. You had 70 seconds, two magazines. And then you went 600 yards and that was 20 rounds, 20 minutes slow fire. But if you didn't know how to read wind, you weren't hitting these targets and you're learning everything about how the sun affects the target and what you're seeing. And so I learned slow and methodical. That, that's what I had to do back then. That's what everybody did. And I took that all the way up to high master. My goal was to try to get distinguished. Never got enough leg points to do that. But I chased that for years uh, as far as doing that type of competition. But, man, it was so slow and boring, Chris. It was horrible. It was horrible. Now, that sport has since been revived a little bit because it was dying so much. What ended up happening is they started allowing four-power optics. Because so many of the older people, they were just like, I can't see my sights anymore. I can't see my front sight, you know, and, you know, we're doing everything from the sight black and the shooting jackets and all that. So that's really where I cut my teeth and I guess competition type shooting, you know, I had been shooting some pistols and stuff before then, but I mean, that taught me a lot. I mean, a whole lot. I would go in the summers, I would go to Camp Lejeune and we would actually train with the Marine Corps with the rifle range detachment on base, we would actually stay in the barracks. And so I learned a lot at a really young age um, about long guns. And it seemed like most of the people I encountered back then, it's like you either shot a long gun or you shot a pistol. You didn't find many people that could do both or both well. And I don't want to just give you a general there, but that's true. I mean, back in those days, and I even see it today on some of these you know, just with some of the matches that you and I shoot together and everything else, you can have a really, really good rifleman, 
but man, you put a pistol in his hand, he goes through two mags, you know, and it's just, it's not that they're not good with it. It's just, they just haven't devoted the time to it. So I've really tried to move from discipline to discipline throughout the years, everything from silhouette, you know, small bore to now I'm doing, you know, the rimfire PRS and NRL type matches. But then I do the three gun, um, Three gun, I kind of got away from for a little bit. You know, a big goal was to to win nationals in 2018. I won nationals, three gun nation nationals in uh, the TAC Irons division. And so that was kind of like a a bucket list, you know, checkbox. And then I started getting back into long range because that's what I've always loved. And I think, you know, you and I met up. It's been years and years ago at the CD match. And we just had a lot of common interests and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I've had to learn how to temper three gun or long range shooting or like the CD match where you don't kind of both. Um, you've got to know what that limit is. You can shoot too fast to where you get sloppy, but you also don't want to go so slow that you run out of time. You know, it, it, there's this big balancing act and it's really hard to convey, you know, especially in a podcast, uh, it's really hard to convey that, but you, you've got to know what that upper limit is. Um, I don't know anything you want to add to that. I mean, it's just because you can shoot one platform, let's say you're a master master pistol shooter. That doesn't mean you're going to be a good rifle shooter. You've got to put in the time and effort. And I don't think one conveys directly or to the other. You can be a great rifle, be a horrible pistol shot. And just because you can shoot a bolt gun really well, there is a little bit of a learning curve when you start shooting a gasser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm curious about, you know, as you've talked about this is, being able to, you know, transition how, how your eyes or your mind are operating when you're thinking speed or you're thinking precision, but yet understanding those limits. Like, how did you develop the ability to know the difference and, and perform on demand? Um, because I see a lot of shooters default to really slow. But yeah. But but your default is is staying quick and, and you can understand the difference between, you know, I'm gonna get hits fast and then I'm gonna get an accurate hit, but but you don't go slow, you go enough to make that hit, right? And and, Correct. Um, and that that's how have you trained how have you trained that? That's a great, great question. And where this epiphany happened for me is I was actually talking to Clint Upchurch. And for those that know him, you know who he is. If not, he used to be a team Colt shooter. Unbelievable pistol shot. I mean, unbelievable everything. Um, Clint Upchurch is um, and not name-dropping. He's kind of local to the area. I've seen him shoot. I've shot a lot of matches with him. And, and back in the day when he shot, he was a force to be reckoned with. And one day, Clint Upchurch and I, we were shooting. It was either regionals or nationals. And we were talking. He was like, you, you try to shoot too accurately. I actually, I asked him, I was like, what do I need to do to get to that next level? He goes, you need to know where your limit is. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you know, you can shoot all the A's you want. He goes, but the way these games are built, you, you can get a little sloppy and increase, you know, your speed. And, you know, if you're getting, and I'm not going to say an A zone, B zone, because typically the matches that you and I shoot, Chris, we don't have those. It's, you know, usually it's like, two on the paper or sometimes they'll do zones. It depends on the type of match you're shooting, you know, but he was like, you really need to shoot faster than you are comfortable with and see how it ends up. 
And so until, I mean, because for me, it was all about accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. And he's like, you're shooting your pistol too slow. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, got to shoot faster. And I'm like, I don't want to shoot any faster. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get A's. Oh, don't worry about it. See what that limit is. And as I started pushing that limit, I started finding out that I could shoot quite a bit faster with an acceptable level of, I'm going to call it inaccuracy. And I just started just the gains were huge. Well, there's a time and place for everything. And I think in your mind, you have to look at size of target, distance of target, or distance to target, as well as platform that you're shooting. You know, um, you know, I pride myself in my pistol shooting, you know, because I'm the guy that will take the longer shots with the pistol if they give an option of one with the rifle or two with the pistol. That happens quite a bit in three gun. They'll have a target that'll be 80 or 100 yards out. And when you come up to it, they'll say you can do two with rifle here or or one with rifle or two with pistol. But if you it, it is a game, Chris, and you got to figure out, OK, if I'm already here, but I've already abandoned my rifle in this bucket that was back. Do I want to come all the way down here to take this one rifle shot? Or dump the rifle back there and just get two hits with the pistol. That's not the time to go pack, 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 pack. I mean, you really got to slow it down. Doom, boom, two hits, you're done. And you you saved all that time. And, you know, that. and the thing about trying to stay somewhat in shape is anytime you're moving in a stage, that's free time. That's costing you nothing, right? So move with purpose. But when you get to where you're going, if it's time to take that precision shot in your mind, tell, tell yourself, settle down, take your shot. You know, I, I'm not one of those that will walk to some place so I don't get my heart rate up when I take these shots. I'll sprint over to that location, take that breath, settle in. And yeah, your heart might be pounding and everything else, but you've done enough of that shooting. You know, it's, it's a timing thing. And being able to understand what your limit is, is huge. Um, that's the only way I can explain it. Um, and I believe, you know, doing all the different disciplines, not just being a master of, you know, you know, that whole, that whole saying or the adage, you know, being well-rounded with all these different platforms just makes you a better shooter all the way around, period. Um, I don't know if that really answers the question, that's the only way I can really kind of convey doing that. Now, I love these, you know, these team matches, these physical matches, but I, I also, I can honestly say this, I will never do like a uh, sniper adventure challenge. And you're really good at that, but you have a level of fitness that is second to none. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I, it's not that I can't do it. I, it doesn't, it's not something that excites me. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. I mean, right there, there's there's that whole spectrum, but it's nice to be able to know, like, man, I got pretty close to, or this isn't really for me, or this is, and explore that. But the things that you have kind of settled on, which are massively diverse, you've, you've had an extremely high level of performance. And so, like, let's say, you know, somebody that is good at precision wants yeah. to go to try a three-gun, how would you kind of advise them to start testing their limits and getting comfortable with the idea of um you know what 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 fundamentals do you maintain and and what fundamentals are you kind of giving up for acceptable accuracy with more speed like how how, did, how would you kind of nudge somebody like hey look you know you're you're 
you know, you can shoot well slow, but that's not going to cut it in this game. And and yeah. then vice versa. How would you take a three gun shooter that wants to try, let's say they wanted to do, you know, whatever, like a, a gas gun PRS match or, or quantified performance or, or, or something like that. You know, do you say, look, you know, for you to be competitive here, this needs to stop and this needs to start. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about um, it? Okay. So that's, that's a fair question. I will tell you, I think there's, um, there can be a, a lot of negative connotation to three gun. And I believe it just depends on what region of the country you're in. So I'm not, I, I won't shoot three gun matches that have primarily base stages. That doesn't excite me. Uh, I'm not a base stage type person. Um, I really like natural terrain three gun, and we have a lot of that on the East Coast. And yes, I have shot some matches out West. You know, I shot nationals out there. We were, you know, I think one was in Oklahoma, which isn't West West, but then I also shot like the PCSL championships. Um, I think Max Leo Grandis puts that on. And it was a great match, but there was a lot. It was a good mixture. It was probably 50 and 50 on that, but I'm not a big fan of base stages. Base stages, I, I kind of gravitate towards those things that I really like to do. And one of the reasons I like natural terrain is because they typically stretch those out and add a distance element to it. Well, like yourself, you're pretty decent at long range. I consider myself decent at long range. So that's something that can help separate you from the pack. You might not be the best pistol shot, but then it's also going to help but that you're pretty good at rifle. So you're going to gain points there. Whereas, you know, some other competitor might gain points on the pistol. The hardest thing with three gun is managing all three weapons platforms and knowing them like the back of your hand. It, it can be daunting. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but there is someone that lives out West that's wanting to get into three gun and he's done a couple of events. He's done a couple of two gun events. And actually I was on the phone with him right prior to this podcast and there's a big match coming up in two weeks. It's the um, the Tar Heel, the American Defense Manufacturing. It's a big three-day, three-gun event. And it's natural terrain. 40 targets are beyond 200 yards, going out to about 700 normally. So that's right down my alley because they got the precision rifle element, not just taking your your AR and shooting it at 50 yards you know, or 100 yards. I mean, you're, yeah. you're having to shoot some DMR precision type stuff here. That changes my platform, too, because now I'm not going to shoot a 16. I'm going to shoot an 18-inch three-gun rifle. Is it going to move as fast in the bays? No. But, you know, life is give and take. I, I want to get that extra little velocity so I've got a little better ballistics, especially so that I'm going one for one on the longer range steals. Because three-gun is is a little, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like uh, you don't see a lot of crossover. I don't know a lot of precision rifle shooters that shoot a lot of three-gun or vice versa. It's typically one or the other. It's kind of like, I think you and I had this conversation, Chris, why don't we see more PRS shooters, like strictly these top level PRS shooters shooting a CD or competition dynamics match. There's a little bit of bleed over, but not a lot. Have you noticed that? Yeah. 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 It's definitely like, yeah, it's hard, hard to know. Um, I'm going to get a little deep on the the subject here. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's just, you know, personally, I think it's just so specialized and they have enough competitions that to get points, they don't have the time to look outside of it. And 
And uh, that, that's what I would say is that, that, that it's a league. They need points. It's very, very specialized to the point where they'll do good, but they won't win or they won't trophy. And that might not be worth it. That would, that would be my guess as, as to why most of them don't venture yeah. into that realm. Although some people have tried some NRL hunters. That's not, that's not quite, that's not CD level. Um, the only guy that I know that has performed well in the past at both is Tate Streeter and he's only yep. done steel safari, right? So steel safari yeah. is, is the exception because, you know, it's the closest to that, but, but, but not, um, I mean, he, he's done team safari, um, and uh stuff so, so you see some of that but you also see the performance starting to drop as you drift away from that specialization um yeah. aspect but be, i would i would say that you know you you but you're not you know a dedicated prs shooter um no you know and, and neither am i <laughs> yeah neither yeah and i'm not either but i'll go do them and i'd like to do more you know when 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 i when my body uh, is healed. That was the plan this year was to kind of explore that a little bit more, but, but they, they are so specialized that, um, you know, it's scary because if you invest time in another platform or another style, you kind of lose a little bit of your edge in yeah the one that you're disciplined in. And there's a lot of competition now in the PRS world that, man, if, if you screw up a few shots, you might, you know, you might go from top 10 to top 30. Yes. Right? Yes. And, you know, the other thing that I was giving a lot of thought, maybe I'm going out on a limb here. I think it, I am going out on a limb. That's that's a fact. Uh, I think it has to deal with a person's personality. A lot of PRS shooters that I've met, they're very methodical. You know, they're given the yardages. They're given the distances. They can see it. They can plan ahead. But now you take that same shooter. I'm not saying all of them, but what I've noticed is some of your top-level PRS guys, and I'm not naming anybody, just guys that I've seen, they'll go out and shoot, you know, a sniper's unknown or a blind stage match. And all of a sudden, everything's changed. Everything's under the clock. I don't know where the targets are. I have to find the targets. I have to laze the target. I have to communicate with my, you know, my teammate, what I'm doing, where I'm doing it. And you're all trying to manage the time. And some people that I've talked to said they do not like that at all. It's almost like an added stress that they don't want to deal with. And for some people, I think some people feed off that and other people are, are you know, turned off by that. Uh, I think it's a personality thing um, or, you know, that person's personality. Do they like this or they don't like that? Uh, you either do or you don't. You know, it's, it's crazy. I've seen some long range shooters to a three gun match. They're like, oh, I hate this. I'm never going to do this again in my life. And it's like, why? And I think it's just that unknown or like you're saying, I don't have time to dedicate it to get good at this. And it takes a lot of dedication, a lot yeah. of time, especially that blasted shotgun. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I mean, you know, as people get more specialized, it's hard. But on the other hand, like there are some people that are good at cross discipline. And I, I, I appreciate yes, that way yes. more than somebody. I mean, it's cool to see somebody do something like um, there's a dude in PRS that just, like cleaned a whole match, like a two day match, never, never dropped yeah. a shot. And it, it's cool to hear That's about incredible. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's amazing to hear about stuff like that. But on the other hand, you know, somebody that can go across, I, I'm more like you, 
you know, I'm, I'm more interested yeah. in kind of like having a high level, but across a lot to kind of see what, what are people doing and what are the ideas of performance? And so, wait, but I'm going to yes. like kind of derail this just a little bit and add okay. or not derail. I'm going to add to this, like, because you mentioned like, okay, well, you're going to go from a 16 inch rifle to an 18 inch rifle. And we're talking about gas guns. How do you assess? Yeah. Because, because we both have cobalt, cobalt kinetics. Um, yeah. And, and all of them we both shoot for cobalt. And, and, and they, um, they perform and, you know, I mean, everything has issues when you're in the dirt and you're in the field, but how do you go about selecting? Like what, what, what's your process for, you know, especially watching your YouTube channel, you've got a lot of different firearms. You're able, you know, you know, all their manual of arms, you know how to operate them. And, and then, you know, you just basically just start shooting and you're, yeah. what is it that you're looking for in a carbine when you're selecting it for these different applications? Okay. Uh, that's a fair question. So, you know, the thing is, is if, if there's going to be engagements that are going to be further than, let's say, well, it depends on the size targets. You know, if I'm shooting full-size Ipsix, then a 16-inch is fine. But if they're going to add a precision element to it where I'm going to be engaged, you know, let's say 12-inch circles or, you know, 12-inch squares, and they're going to place these things at five and 600 yards, I don't want to sling a couple rounds at it. I want to sling one round at it and go on to the next one. Time is money when it comes to a three gun that has distance targets. I mean, I've seen guys unload D sixties on a couple targets and you, that's the other thing too. You have to know when to say, when, if you've slung three rounds at this target and you didn't hit it, go to the next one and take your miss. At least you won't get a failure to engage. You'll get a double whack. I've seen guys with five more long range targets to engage and they will unload a 30 round mag on one steel because they don't want this steel to win. Right. And they just can't let it go. And then now all of a sudden they get five misses as well as five failure to engages. So they have compounded the issue. And that, that, that was really, really hard to accept. And I don't do that often, but there are times if I've slung three, you know, maybe I'll sling two more at it, but that's enough. Go to the next target. That target just was not your day today to hit that target. And um, you, you just have to accept that. Now, like with PRS, you know, engage the target with one round, hit or miss. You don't have any choice. You either hit it or you miss it, right? Unless it's two. Three gun, right, hey, right. you got all this ammo. You could go, you can go to war on this, is what we call it. Go on to war. Don't go to war on a target. because uh, that that will really, really cost you. So if the target engagements are smaller and further, I will probably go with an 18. I won't choose a 20. A 20 is what I would go with on like a DMR match or like a CD match. I'm going to go with something that, you know, is going to give me the better ballistics. I'm not going to be shooting. I shoot 55 grains in the bay. As a rule of thumb, Chris, um, if I'm shooting a three gun, now you got to remember the round counts are really high on these majors. Like if it's a, like this one coming up, you're going to, I think it's like 250 rifle. And you say, well, that's not much. I think it's 250 rifle. You don't have any misses. So it can get really crazy. I know last yeah. year shotgun, I think I took like 300 and something rounds. And at the, the last day we were like, holy crud, we're running low nine millimeter. I think we had 400 plus rounds each. There was like five of us that went to this match last year. And on the last day, guys were like, dude, I'm, 
almost out of ammunition. And it's like, well, I've got some extra. Everybody brings extras always. So the round counts are crazy, crazy high. So I, I don't want to burn through ammo. I want to get first-round impacts if I can at distance. So CD match, if I'm going to shoot a six arc or something as a secondary, I'm going to have a 20-inch barrel or so, maybe a 22. If it's a three-gun that has you know, longer range engagements, I'll shoot at 18 inch. And then if it's a mostly Bay or if it's a local match where they don't have the distance, I'll definitely shoot like a 16 or even something shorter because you can move maneuver it so much quicker. And, and you know, this is a game of tens, tens of seconds. I mean, it really is. <laughs> Excuse me. And so to answer what I was going to say before, I only shoot 55 grains from, 200 and in, and then anything beyond that, I'm 69 grain. The only time I shoot 77s is if it is a DMR style, if I'm not shooting a different caliber, uh, but typically I'm shooting a 75 or 77 grain, uh, or if there's a spinner where you need the extra energy to get that thing spun over. Uh, I'm very selective, and, and I use different color magazines for whatever type of ammunition I'm running. It, it's it's really important in three gun. Wow, I didn't I didn't think of the like separating that out, and then you would have to have separate dope, or you would know your holds differently for the different yep. ammo. I'll, I'll <laughs> run like two dope charts, or I or I'll go ahead and do the math and figure out okay, all this is going to be fifty. I don't want to be slinging you know Black Hill seventy seven grain at ten yards, right? So if I know that I'm going to be shooting. Because I don't want to add any magazine changes if I don't have to. So if I do the math and I say, all right, there's 10 paper targets here, two rounds each. That's going to be 20 rounds. All right. So I'll, I should be transitioning, you know, if I'm planning my mag changes so that I'm going up to that 69 or 77 grain when I get to the long range stage. Or, you know, if it's less than that, you know, maybe I'll put 15, 55s on there because that's all paper. You know, for me, I, I got to look at the money side of it too. I, I can't sling very very expensive ammunition of paper i'm not going to do it i'm too cheap that way <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't even think of that but it makes a lot of sense to like you know just figure out what the offset might be or if you're shooting paper or it's just close steel like shit you just get cheap ammo and just use that and then use the other stuff how, how, at these matches when you're shooting like even at cd matches the you know that my bulk guns i just kind of wipe out the chamber just kind of keep them, you know, clean because it's dusty. But I don't, I don't clean them like crazy. But, but, but gas guns usually require more maintenance. What kind of maintenance are you yes. doing? Do you have to do maintenance between stages, or do you do maintenance at the end of the day? What, what, how are you keeping it running? At every single competition that I can probably tell you that I've ever shot, I clean every day at the end of the day in the hotel room or in the camper or whatever I'm doing, where whatever venue I'm at. Um, and that's crazy because you're always having to either find cleaning supplies or take cleaning supplies with you if possible. But, you know, you've got all this time invested in airplane, hotel, all of that. I don't want to hurt myself because I was lazy and I want to just get in bed and watch TV. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and clean and maintain that firearm because you're right. When you come to the West, it's completely different than here on the East Coast. Here we deal with mud. Um or we deal with rain, but we're not dealing with dust. We don't get that dust that you guys get. And that's really, really hard on equipment, sand and dust. And so anytime, end of the day, 
um, cleaning chambers, punching the bore. I'm not saying you're going through a decopper process or any of that other stuff, but you're just maintaining it, getting everything clean, re-oiling it so that you're good the next day. And I typically, I'm going to knock on wood on this one. I rarely have any problems ever since, um, I've aligned with cobalt this year. I have yet to have a single malfunction with any AR during any match since I've switched to cobalt. Now the old cobalt, I couldn't say that because remember I used to shoot for cobalt back in the day, back when they did the little space gun thing. And, you know, Aaron, who's the new owner of cobalt really turned that company around and really started building more purpose-built duty style ARs. And I have been thrilled to death. I've had zero issues. You know, I shot some big majors last year, everything from Memorial, which um, I ended up getting, uh, I had already left. I was like, I didn't do too well. I ended up taking high LE on that one. And it was like, you know, your, your equipment has to run. It has to run. And so, you know, I shoot for team MPA now. Um, I'm on their team for their pistol team. I'm running the DS nine pistol. Ran it all last season, zero issues, zero malfunctions. Um, and that's just shooting factory ammo. I really, these days, I don't hand load much anymore except for PRS. Um, I just don't have the time and the opportunities presented itself just aligning with different companies to be able to get a reduced price on ammunition. So, you know, time is money. And so it's really, really hard yeah. to justify loading nine millimeter when you can just buy it and the price is right. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think, um, yeah, man, I, I love the precision gas gun thing, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm really excited that it seems like it's kind of coming back into, you know, into a lot of the areas that that we're interested in. And I think you know some of it is that guns, the rifle systems are getting better, and you know the ammo is getting better, and the velocities are getting higher, and 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 they're starting to. I, I can see light where we'll be able to be side by side against a bolt gun if, right, if we get that velocity bump or or the bullet weight bump or something like that. But 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 I'm really looking forward to that. And um, the yeah, last match that I ways. shot, heck yeah! I, I mean, the last two matches that I did with gas guns were the Burris optics and then the Steel Safari, and. Yeah, you know, I just keep telling myself, man, these are just right, right there almost. Um, you know, competition dynamics. Some of the targets can be kind of ridiculously small, like two tenths wide. And with a gas <laughs> gun and unlimited rounds, it's really easy to get sucked into like, oh shit, I'm going to hit it. You know, but yeah, but but other targets aren't. You know, so I, I definitely know what you mean about going to war on a target. Like, you know, you empty a whole magazine trying to hit a two tenths target. And it's like, well, fuck, yeah. I don't even think I need to make a correction. I just need to keep shooting, you know, and eventually it's like, bang, you know, because, uh, but, but, you know, 800, 600 to 800 yards and it's two tenths wide. And you're like, man, I just got to get this thing. Um, you know, I think that when that velocity bump happens or they get, you know, well, the arc, I haven't spent a lot of time shooting the arc, but, you know, if you can get that velocity closer to 2,800, shoot i don't i don't see why not because my my 223 i mean i could do 10 shot groups you know from a fixed position and have a half inch group i mean the precision is there the reliability yeah. the consistency the repeatability it's just that you know just you know the after 600 yards i can't go shoulder to shoulder with a bolt gun 
Um, now, but, you know, the last two years at the CD match, I have shot six arc and I have been very impressed with it. I do start to see it fall off because I don't handload six arc. I'm just getting factory ammunition. And what I've seen is, and I heard the comment a couple times uh, from different folks. They're like, dude, that's a primary secondary rifle. I mean, it was literally going one for one. I was like, you know, there's no way I'm going to drop any points on this. I mean, this, this thing is just shooting that well. But also, the systems have changed. You know, what I've seen is, is since the release of the 6ARC, you're starting to see not rifle-length gas systems, but you're seeing rifle plus one, rifle plus two. Um, you're starting to see 20, 22-inch barrels, in some case, 24. But I do notice that that round starts, you said 600 with the 223. I think the ARC is good 800 yards, and then it starts to kind of fall off in a gasser even though we've made impacts out to a mile with the six arc and we regularly have shot these at 12 to 1400 yards. It is not built for that. I want to say that right on, on the record right now. Um, you're, you're losing too much, but yeah, you can rein anything in, you know, I mean, we regularly shoot, dude, not even two hours ago, we were shooting 22s out to 600 yards, you know, and people are like, what? And, you know, we're shooting on these little eight inch steels at 600 um, just because it's good training, good for wind calls and everything. And it's just something fun to do. But I think if I know there's going to be targets beyond that 800 yard mark, yeah, it, it's losing it at that point. It's a, it's bolt gun town. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I, I get it. Like, man, it's fun to try to hit something that's out of the book, the favorable range. But I, I try to think of ranges in terms of like, absolute hit probability you know like yes inside of 600 yards with the way i shoot like i if i miss it was me it has nothing to do with the rifle after that yeah it could be ballistics that are causing the miss and it still could be me but i don't want to pick a system where those overlap so i don't know so you say look you know yeah, after 600 yards, I'm going to go to something else. And and, and it's yeah. not that you can't hit it, but but you might miss. And and it's like, man, I I don't want to have a system where there's well, it could be it could be ballistics and it could be you. I want it to be you no know, in inside of you know a thousand yards, it's just me. Inside of 1200 yeah. yards, it's just me. And I feel like the gas systems, man, 600 yards and in, it's just me after 600 yards, man, I'm, I'm just hesitant. Like you said, like if it costs me $2,000 to fly to a match, I don't want to do it with a system that is like, well, this, it, it might be ballistics, you know? Uh, yeah, no way, man, that's an expensive experiment. And, uh, you know, I could, I could waste, you know, a lot more ammo just playing at home. Um, but but exactly. I do think that it gets expensive uh, shooting. Oh yeah, shooting these competitions. Um, it, it's a commitment because you're going to mm -hmm. spend a lot of money. Um, you know my, you know, I, I, with the company that I work for, I, I am able to shoot a lot of matches for free, as far as the entry fees and whatnot. Uh, just because of sponsorships and donations to the prize table, and of course, you know, you'll get a spot or two depending on the dollar amount that the company is donating, you know, and, the, and that helps add to the prize table. But it's a lot of commitment because then the company is like, Hey, are you shooting this? We're sponsoring this match. And I'm like, man, I'm shooting three matches in a row every weekend. And, you know, I'm flying and doing this. And, 
And it has gotten to be rather hectic. Uh, this year, I'm actually going to slow down and not shoot. I'm going to be very, very selective about which types of matches I do. I'm still going to shoot, you know, big three-gun major events. I'll still shoot some big PRS major events. You know, plan is to shoot gap grind again this year. Uh, if I can ever help it, I never miss a CD match. Team Steel Safari. It's just so much fun. Just the, the folks, um, you know, meeting up with everybody and catching up. Uh, it's just a great, great atmosphere. And so I really, that's that's probably the one that I look forward to more than any other match throughout the year. Even though we might do horribly, I love that match. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, the whole experience is awesome. Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's probably, you know, that and the Burris Team Challenge are probably my two favorite, hands down. Yeah, Burris is fun as well. Yeah, and they're they're like like the same but different, right? Yeah. Yeah, one's got a little more physical element to it, you know? Right, right, right. But if you just look at just the shooting stages without the rules, you're like, yeah, those, those are pretty similar. And then yes, a couple tweaks, right? Just small tweaks of the rules, and, and they're completely different and wildly fun in different ways. Yeah, I think, I, think it's, uh, I think it's amazing. Now, I wanted to try to focus mostly on, on your gas gun stuff, but... While you, while you were saying that, you know, you mentioned 22s and you have a lot of experience and success with 22s. And I always like to ask people about how the crossover between rim fire and center fire goes. Like, what is the training benefit that you see the most from using and getting familiar with rim fires for a center fire shooter? Or is, or is there not? Okay, so I, I really wondered about this myself because when PRS Rimfire started coming on strong, we were traveling all over trying to get points and, you know, um, shooting every match we could find. And it is a lot of fun. I mean, a whole lot of fun. I mean, you're going to dial more than you've ever dialed with your center fire rifle. You know, it's like today, I think it was at 600 yards, we were, we were at 38 mils at 600. Now... 38 mils. You're not going to do that with your center fire rifle. You know, I mean, for, for most people, you're never, ever going to even come close to that. You know, you can shoot a mile. Uh, let's see, just off the top of my head, I think with like a 6.5 Creedmoor or 6 Creedmoor on the mile, you're going to be at 20-something mils with like a 20 MOA mount. So this, you know, just add another 18 mils to that. And now wind is huge. I mean, the slightest puff of wind, and now you're three mils off target, you know? And it's like, what? It's crazy. Um, I remember we shot, I shot regionals one year, and I think I was holding eight mils of wind. It was crazy. I mean, you're like, wait, how can you do that? There's not enough in your reticle. Well, you've got to dial a bunch of it and still hold some, you know? You'll dial like five and hold three on it, you know? So, you know, because you got, you still have to have that usable reticle that you can do your holds. It is a big training tool because the time management on all the movement, that's where you're going to see the biggest, biggest benefit. Okay. So if you're just getting into PRS and like I said, here's a newbie getting into PRS, you're going to start, you're going to time out on, let's just say there's 10 stages. You're going to probably time out on none of them. Okay. Especially if there's a lot of movement, let's say two shots, five positions. Or heaven forbid, they do one shot, 10 positions, which that's not unheard of. You're going to see this at PRS. When I shot the Hornady PRC, I think they had 
uh, one shot 14 positions, and almost everybody timed out at about 10, the 10th position. There were very few that made it beyond that. And I mean, sure, you can get to 14 and miss them all, but if you're really getting them, you know, getting them as you're going, uh, what you're going to learn from the PRS rimfire is you're just reinforcing all of your time, getting those shots off, getting on the target quickly, not hunting by overpowering. It's a great, great way to train. The only downside that I can see with the Rimfire PRS NRL 22X is that I have seen that if you do a ton of that, you kind of lose a little bit of your recoil management when you go back to your center fire. Now, I don't mean doing, you know, shooting a little bit here. I'm talking about you immerse yourself, you shoot six matches in a row of Rimfire, and then all of a sudden you're going to shoot a PRS match next weekend. Your recoil management and your follow-up, because you're just so used to going and nothing moves, you know, the rifles are 23 pounds and it's a 22 rimfire. Um, that's the only downside. Um, I do see a lot of guys trying to mimic the exact same setup, you know, the almost the exact same action, uh, the same chassis and all of that. And I think it's only a benefit, not a detriment, other than the recoil management. Gotcha. It's fun. And how about, like, do you think that there's – I understand that that the wind obviously is going to, be, but 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 can you take that wind that you learn with a rim fire and use that with a center fire? I, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced. It's that I've heard people say no. like, okay, this is like 800 yards, or this is like a thousand, but but the fact that you have to hold wind, I get it, but learning how to read wind and and translate that to center fire. I'm still kind of on the fence about because I can't visualize that myself. Yeah, I don't think there's a direct correlation, Chris. I can tell you, you have to pay attention more. I mean, if you start to feel the slightest on your face or you start to see a little bit of grass starting to move, you better account for that because holding left edge and sending it will not cut it. <laughs> you know, a lot of these, yeah. you know, we're only talking, let's say 300 yards. So it's like today, 300 yards and today was very calm. Uh, as soon as I left work, I wanted to get a little bit of training in because I couldn't decide which rifle I want to shoot this weekend. Um, I know that sounds bad, but doing the videos and all that, you really want to have different types of platforms. So almost all of my rifles that are custom rifles are built by Desert Precision Gunworks. Kenneth E. builds one heck of a rifle. But, you know, am I going to shoot the CZ this weekend? Am I going to shoot the Voodoo? Am I going to shoot the Remax? And yeah, I, I get it, you know, first world problems, but no, it's different with a channel because people want to see their platform and know more about it. And so I have variety, but today we were shooting at 300 yards. We were holding 1.8 mils at 300 and it was calm. I mean, it was calm wind at the line at 300. You felt zero wind. You couldn't even feel it on your face. Okay. And so one of the guys that I was shooting with was like, dude, isn't that crazy? He goes, we have no wind here. And down there, we're having to hold 1.8 mils. And I'm like, that's 22. It's the way it works. Um, so I, I think you're a little more conscientious of the wind that yeah. otherwise you wouldn't really pay that much attention to with center fire because it's, it's negligible. I mean, you know, you're slinging it. 2,800, 2,900 feet a second, and you got this bullet that's barely doing 1,080 feet per second, 1080. That's mm -hmm. the magic number I've seen. Uh, almost everybody shoots subsonic ammo. Um, you know, typically it's going to be something like, you know, Lapua Center X, 
it really depends on your budget, but most people kind of stick with Lapua Center X or like Ely Match. Um, yeah, there's some guys running 10X and some running, you know, Exacta or Midas, but typically your hardcore shooters are going to be shooting, you know, Ely Match or Lapua Center X. And it's just as expensive. Don't kid yourself that you're going to get into rimfire, you know, PRS rimfire or this ELR rimfire and think you're going to save a bunch of money. Um, you're not because you're still going to have about, it depends on the person. I mean, you know, I did a video recently where I just did a production rifle, production CZ, and shot a match with it. And I just, I compared it to a guy that had, you know, an $8,000 setup. Now, ultimately it's going to come down to the shooter, but that, that little CZ that was production division did really, really well at that match. There's a reason why I did that video was to see, you know, it's, it's not going to be what all you've got in it, but what I do see is a lot of guys want to have the exact same scope that they're running on the other one. So if they've got one night force, eight tacker, seven to 35, they want that on the rim fire. Well, there goes another 3,500 bucks. Then they want the right, same right. spur mount. They want the same chassis. I mean, you're just doubling everything. And on top of that, the amb- you're not shooting CCI standard velocity. You're shooting, you know, this other ammunition that's $13 for a box of 50. Do you know how fast you can go through 50, 22 long rifle? <laughs> so right, right, right. It gets expensive. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of every year, for the last uh, three years, uh, typically, once I find a good lot, I'll usually get about – this is going to sound so bad, but I usually buy about 10,000 rounds of that same lot to get me through that year. That will usually get me through the season. Yeah, man, that's a lot of ammo, but I, I can, yeah. I can see that like, man, it's just so fun. Rounds. That's also about uh, today's rate. The last 10,000 I bought, we're looking at about 2,600 bucks for rimfire. Mm-hmm. So when right, you put right. it in that perspective, you're not really saving yourself any money, but what you are getting is trigger time and hopefully good trigger time, you know? Right, right. Just, That's a lot of repetition. It is. If you're mindful of like good you're repetition. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, you could really reinforce bad things fast. Or you could yes. be mindful. And, 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 and actually, like, I, I don't know if you know Boyd Linder, but he does a lot of rimfire and, and air gun stuff in Utah. And we know each other. Yeah. And, and he said something very similar that, um, to you and you guys have both been massively successful in, in rimfire stuff, um, that it really turned on his senses and he pays a lot of attention to it. And that, when that carries over to the center fire, his mindfulness stays there. And he also says yes. that his recoil management does suffer. And then he has to consciously go back to that, but he maintains his kind of awareness and so he, he, he can perform really well at centerfire too. And, and it's cool yeah. that, you know, two high performers on different parts of the country are saying the same thing. Like it really exposes your senses. And if you're aware of that, that'll spill into other areas of shooting. And then with your mindfulness about tempo and acceptable accuracy with gas gun, I think, you know, it's really pointing towards, you know, just that conscious awareness of, what's being asked of you and how to manage that time and pay attention to the things that are important and the things that are important are different in different contexts, I guess. And that sounds so obvious, but, but, but it's not because you can forget all of that and just think, I just got to shoot it. 
<laughs> yeah, I just got to shoot it. I, I will. I am going to go on record and say something. It's going to be very controversial, but it, it's a fact. Um, I love controversy. This, yeah, this is controversial. PRS rimfire and NRL 22X rimfire is considerably easier than PRS centerfire competition. Period. End of story. I haven't done either. <laughs> okay. How, how are they so, different? Okay. So what I have seen is it takes just a little bit. Okay. So this is the biggest thing. When you look at the scale of the size targets in relation to, in relationship to the distance, while you are taking 22 long rifle out to these extended ranges, you know, who would have thought that, you know, a couple of, you know, 10 years ago that guys are going to be competing with standard 22 long rifle subsonic ammunition and hitting targets out to four and 500 yards. Right now, most of your rimfire matches usually keep the target somewhere around 350 and in. And I don't think it's so much because of the difficulty. I think it's because of finding a way to really, really get good hit indicators because beyond about 350, magneto speeds aren't really the best for always registering those impacts, especially when a match director tries to use centerfire rifle steel. I mean, you need to use thin, thin steel because it won't even register it. And so at those kind of distances on heavy steel, that 22 doesn't even make – I mean, you might hear the report, but the problem is during a match, you have so many different things going on with shots and gongs and everything else. You're not going to be able to tell that that was – the impact and you can't always spot that because you're not getting much of a visual reference so most yeah. match directors will keep their rimfire matches at 350 and in what i've also seen is when you start to get beyond 200 yards if you really looked at the scale of the size of the targets at 200 yards typically it's going to be a 66 percent ipsic when they get into 350 ish I mean, I've seen targets as big as full-size Ipsics. So now you can miss all of those too if you don't have good wind calls. But if you look at that distance in relationship to a PRS match, which you know you can maybe shoot out to 1, 1,200, sometimes thirteen hundred yards. You know, there was one last weekend um, out west, and one of the stages they were shooting out to fifteen hundred. But the targets, when you look at the scale, the centerfire is much harder. It's much harder. You know, when I shot the Altus match a couple weeks ago, um, you know, you're shooting at targets. I mean, some of these targets were, you know, six, 700 yards, and you're shooting on something that's a minute and a half. Well, look at the scale on what you'd be doing with 22. So I think 22 is considerably easier. And I've never, and it's not just me, it's also some of the guys that I shoot with, uh, never been able to just get into a sport, a discipline, and trophy so much. You never see that in anything. Everything else you have to work really, really hard at. Um, but, you know, some of the guys that I, that I shoot with, you know, we'll go to these matches and it's like, dang, man, you got second place. Oh, you got third place. And it's, it's not that we're that good. It's just I think it's that much easier. It really is. <laughs> That's it. That's interesting, but it's fun, you know, and, and, and I think that's really fun. important. Yeah. And you don't have to wear ears and you don't have a <laughs> headache at the end of the day. And you can hold right. a conversation with someone 
Um, it, it is a lot of fun, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and uh, more popular. And in just the last three years of, of me doing this, you know, Voodoo came onto the scene really hard. You know, I'm starting to see a lot of changes in the firearms platforms. What you're seeing is, is what everybody used to compete with an 18 or a 20 inch barrel. Now everybody's going into 24s and 26 inch barrels. And, you know, I even did a video on that. Yeah. So when you get beyond 20 inches on a 22, you start to slow the bullet down. But we're not chasing velocity here. What we're trying to get is stability and repeatability. First round cold Uh war, less shift. And what we've seen is, is these longer barrels, like 24 inches and 22s, 23s, they are not as picky with the ammunition. I mean, you know, yeah, I've had some guns, man, you got to go through five different lots just to find something that groups halfway decently, you know, and I have sent some of my rifles off to Lapua to the testing center and they tunnel test it, everything else. They say, well, this is the best lot number of the ammunition that we're offering right now. But a lot of this, and this is good information. A lot of this is based off of, you know, most of your Olympic shooters, those guys aren't shooting 18 and 20 inch barrels. We're shooting 24, 26 inch barrels. And this we can't prove, but it's almost like accelerating that bullet and then slowing it down either stabilizes it or makes it less picky on ammunition. And usually it can shoot more ammunition uh, better than getting something that's an 18 inch. And you have to go through, like I said, yeah. five, six different lots. Because yeah, you can't, I mean, I've heard you're not going to handle so much. Right, right. I've heard people say so often, like, you know, a lot of barrels, it, you know, it'll slow down at some point. And then I, it never crossed my mind. Uh, although I've also heard, you know, oh, yeah, we want to shoot subsonic. We want to shoot subsonic. So it never crossed my mind that, like, well, shit, slow it down. Like, it could be supersonic, but by the time it leaves the barrel, it's not anymore, you know, or yeah. something like that. Like, if you're trying yeah. to hit 1080, yeah. you know, 1080, 1060, 1050, because you're already subsonic you do want precision and repeatability and yep. you know, unlike the center fire where often, I mean, you need a certain amount of velocity people there's, it's debatable in terms. I mean, I, I think you even mentioned it in, in, in one of your videos uh, recently that, you know, people used to be trying to like max out the speed limit. And now they've fallen back yep. to that 2,800, 2,800, yep. but still like I did an experiment where I was like, okay, well how far back from 28 can I get? And I found that kind of cliff where, you know, you, you can't slow down, you know, it's not an infinite, like back off and you'll be able to see more at some point, ballistically. Now you're just at a massive disadvantage, but 2,800, you, you have, you have the ballistics and you have the visibility and the less recoil. Um, but with rimfire, it's, it's almost the opposite, right? Cause you, you need that consistency. So, so wow, that I, I didn't think of it that way. That that's actually really fascinating. But if, if you're doing the experiments and saying, man, all of a sudden it shoots all the ammo, like shit, man, you know, manufacturers could take advantage of something like that too. Like say like, look, you know, our guy, you know, odds are you'll find good ammo faster with a yeah. 24. And barrel. you know, during COVID and all that, it was impossible to find rimfire ammo. It just was, it was hard to find any mm-hmm. ammo. But just to get anything that shot halfway decently, I mean, could you go out there with CCI standard velocity? You you can. And I've actually seen some of that stuff shoot halfway decently. But if you want to mm-hmm. compete at the top level, I mean, you need 
you need an you need ammunition. This is the standard we go by. This is something that you know. I'm not going to say I invented it, but I will not recommend a rifle to anyone and that particular lot number. If they want to compete at the top level, their rifle, their rimfire needs to be able to hold a ten shot group at a hundred yards and keep it at an inch or less. One of them, or you know, basically, that's the standard. If you base it off the size of the targets, if you can't do that, you're going to start dropping points unnecessarily. That's if you do every. That's off of a bench or off prone. But now you start adding positional to that, and you know how that goes. That's why you have the craft challenge. You know, you start mm-hmm. adding. All right, well, now I'm kneeling, or now I'm, you know, I'm standing off the top of this barricade. Can you, as a shooter, even hold a minute? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you, your tests show exactly what you can expect. Um, right. You can have the best rifle in the world, but your fundamentals have to be solid or it doesn't matter. I mean, you might get lucky and sling one in there, but um, what is what is your margin of error in this position? Right, right, yeah. right. So with um, with that, what, what kind of standard deviations do you see in these uh, ammo? And, <laughs> and is it enough is it enough with the vertical of the targets to, um, you know, it's huge at this. this, It's huge. Yeah. So if you've got a really, really good lot of ammunition, um, typically you're going to see like a really good lot. Like the best I've seen would be three to about six SD. Okay. But you can get wild with it and you can get way up there twenties or higher and the thing is, is that distance, you know, when you're trying to come up with your, I did a video on the Kestrel because there's, it's completely different than centerfire rifle. You know, you're going to be doing DSF very, very close. Okay. So doing your drop scale factor um, with the rim fire is very, very important, but try to do all of that data and get all that data with a magneto speed attached to your rifle. So if you're shooting for a water line, don't expect to hit that water line every time at 300 yards. You know, you're going to look at it and you're going to be two inches high and then you'll be four inches low. Then you'll have one on the water line and you've got to be looking at that magneto speed to say, Oh, okay. Well, that one was a little bit fast. All right. Cause it doesn't take much loss in velocity on a 22 to now you're four, eight, 10 inches low. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, we don't really control those bullets. You know, those bullets are, we got to shoot what we've got. And you're not going to load it. You just got to accept what it is. Now, you know, it's good to see that companies are starting to really pay attention to rimfire, not only the manufacturers, but also the manufacturers of ammunition. You know, Lapperwood just came out with um, long range and super long range. And we were some of the first ones to get that. And what I've seen in all my rifles is the SDs are quite a bit higher than my normal Cinerex ammunition. It's still really good, but yeah, it's a 10, 12 SD in my rifles, whereas my other stuff shoots somewhere between six and eight. It's good enough. I'm not going to switch ammo because of it. Mm-hmm. It's just a different ammo. Yeah, I haven't it messed is. around it's with it. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping to start shooting the, the air guns as, as some testing and some competitions, you know, and, and you can shoot air guns at the rimfire matches. So I, I, I want to explore that a little bit this year once. I can once I could shoot again. Um, yeah, I, but I, I like the idea as well. And if you're talking mm-hmm. about Utah, you're, you know, Utah air guns, I think. Uh-huh. And there's another one, was it FX or something? That's yeah, a, they manufacture a guns. Manufacturer. 
<clears throat> yep. Yeah. You, you tie air guns. The, what, what they do is they pull in all the, all the parts and all the manufacturers and suppliers, and then they custom build you your system to what you're going to do. So they take chassis, they might take an MPA chassis or a, or a, um, M- or a, a whatever M- MDT. I got one behind me. Um, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll put that air gun into this system and, uh, configure it for you. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing what they do there. I went to their shop and, and saw the guys, you know, they, they configure these wild systems and then they tune it and they're unbelievable. I mean, like some of them were shooting like 10, 20 shot groups at, at hundreds of yards and, and being, you know, at an MOA. And they are more consistent crap. with yeah. the new regu- with the regulation systems that they do. They're more consistent than any 22 uh, rimfire is going to be. I mean, you can shoot 10 shots and have like, an extreme spread of like one foot per second. It's insane. You know, yeah. I, I know some people around here that compete in the, I guess the, the big championship where they have these huge purses and I'd like to get one. I'd like to, you know, I've never even reviewed one or anything like that on the channel. Cause it's not something that I know much about, but <clears throat> you know, these guys are shooting three, four, 500 yards with these things. They're yeah, extremely yeah, yeah. Pretty consistent. Yeah. Right. But, 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 you know, I also don't know that much and I need to get firsthand familiarity with it because it's just massively fascinating. And just like everything else that you mentioned, it's, it's going to cost you the same as any rifle to build it afterwards. I think there's a savings with, with the fact that the ammo is super cheap and it's just air, but you got to fill up the tanks and you know you gotta have a compressor (laughs) pressurized right right or or go to a shop that you can fill up other tanks and 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 so there's a lot of equipment that you know you're not just going to go do the sniper adventure challenge with an air gun um no you know because of the maintenance of stuff like that but but i'm hoping to make it to the the big match that they have in utah this summer once once i get kind of shooting this thing and 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 familiar with it because it, it just i don't know i I like it and the, the idea of precision and accuracy and you know, how they work um it, it it yeah it's fascinating and and i'm excited i'm really excited because for those fundamentals other than recoil management you can really test that precision um and 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 work those separately and and then try to go to these matches and, and do well so yeah man i'm, I'm super excited um I think that uh, I'll have more to say when I when I when I've got more time behind them. But man, going out to Utah Air Guns was amazing because they laid out six different setups and they had paper set up on their indoor range, and you could test all these systems and see how they worked. And 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 uh, you know they, they don't have barrels like or or some of the rifles have have standard kind of barrels, but some of them have this sleeve. sleeve. Yeah, it's yeah. so, a but they. But they don't have like a barrel life, so you could shoot them forever. But but you're like, okay, well, I want to go from you know 22 to, to a slug. six mil, yeah, or or a 50. Yeah. You could go to a 50 cal. You just pull it out, put it in a new sleeve. Now you got a 50 cal. Like, yeah. Whoa. And and uh, that kind of just you know that, that that's fascinating to me. Uh, so so I'm excited. Yeah, it's something that I might this. try one day, but I also know that it's not inexpensive <laughs> you know so right that might right, hold right. me off for a little bit um if i know, get set up though and we make it to 
Yeah, I don't know if I'll be cleared to shoot by the doctors for the Burris this year, but I do plan on being yeah. at Team Safari. And if I if I've got the setup, I'll just bring it with me to Team Safari in the truck, and we can screw around after you know in the middle of stages and stuff like that. If you want, we can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm planning on uh, making the CD match. But uh, have you ever heard of the Lawing Brothers? They're really young. They shoot for F1, sponsored by EOTech. They shoot a lot of the matches around here. Just unbelievable. Uh, I'm not going to call them kids, but I've been watching them grow up, uh, you know, as kids, and they just dominate. They're just incredible. But they got into air guns a couple years ago, and I think Brady, the oldest one, I think he won one of the events out there, and either won like twenty five thousand or something like that. It was like twenty something thousand dollars. He was on a TV show, and they did the the air gun thing, and. He was telling me the level of precision those things have, and he's like, you've got to do it. You've got to try it. And that kind of set a fire under me to at least get some knowledge about it, but I just don't have any. I just haven't gone that down that path yet. Yeah, you got to reach out to the Utah Air Guns guys because I, I think that's just the hub of knowledge. And, and they have, everybody that works there, they came out and shot, and it's like, holy yeah. crap, they were really just nailing these bug hole groups. And you know, I got it. I was like, shit, you know, this thing doesn't move at all. And, and because of that, I'm like, well, I, I got to practice a little bit here. And, and um, they knew about that because you, you have to tune it very carefully. And, and yes. I mean, it, this isn't something, but, but, but not only the pressure to the, to the round, but also the amount, the time that the air is released into the chamber controls yes. it. So, so, so you got all these different things and they're timing it just right. But once they've tuned it, their rifles were incredibly precise. And yeah, that's Brady pretty was telling freaking me awesome. Exactly that. He was telling me about how you have to tune them. And I don't know, it almost mm-hmm. seems like uh, shooting a real gun is uh, <laughs> a little easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but once it's done, it just stays like that. So, so uh, yeah, you know, they, they knew how to do it. So they just brought out the tuned rifles and I just shot it. But, but, but not only were they able to just shoot amazingly well, um, you know, all these different systems, they just made it work for that ammo. So you didn't, you know, once it was set, you're set. And, and I think they yeah. do that for their customers. Like, all right, we're going to tune it for you, get it all set. You just, you know, let it rip when you get it. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's fun. I mean, shooting anything is fun and, and then learning. Exactly. About the you want. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, like, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but like, it's funny how much has changed in rimfire over the last couple of years. You know, it's like you can't even go to a match now where it seems like 90% of the field isn't running some type of tuner. You know, I'm not going to get into the tuner wars or anything else with you, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've done enough testing to where I typically don't run a tuner. Um, I've tried them. I've played around with some of the groups and everything else, but um I think I own one gun with a tuner on it. And honestly, that setting will never change because it shoots best in that setting. Just set it, leave it alone. Don't touch it again. Uh, But as far as tuning for loads, um, I feel like I'm just chasing something that doesn't have that repeatability. Um, Like if you set it on position one with this ammo, it doesn't mean that it's going to shoot the best at position one. If you go to five and then go back to one, now all of a sudden the group's big again. So I, I don't even know what to think about that, but it's it's funny how the sports change from the different length barrels to you know the heavier guns. I mean, a lot of the guys that I'm seeing are running twenty plus pound twenty two long rifles, um, which is crazy. Yeah, 
talked to Matt the other day. I think his is at 24 pounds. It's like, dude, that's a little too heavy. He's like, I think I might take a weight or two out of it. And, you know, and then you see these guys running, you know, I've got an MPA matrix chassis for my centerfire. Now I couldn't think of even running that on a rimfire just because the balance is so different from a rim fire, but you know, we're running one twenty straight tapers and <laughs> these big truck axles on a little 22. Yeah. That's cool though. But again, it like, is. you know, if, 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 kind of like on, on surviving man, you know, there, you know, not, not that the, you know, a lot of the things that we had to shoot weren't good, but, but the idea oh of, <laughs> but, but, but I like the idea of here's a rifle or here's a pistol or here's a wet, you know, here's, here's something that shoots, pick it up and know how to use it and understand the context and, and, and do that. Like that is pretty cool. Like that would be a good competition. It would be impossible to make probably, but the idea that like, you don't know what you're going to get and you're presented with a scenario and a firearm and you have to solve the problem and know, okay, you know, there's 50 steel heads and I got a pistol I got to do for speed. I can do that. And then, Oh shoot, here's a bolt gun. Now you got to shoot 800 yards. I know how to do that, you know, and, and, and here's a gas gun and you close and then far and portholes. And and I I love the idea of you, you you know, here's this weapon system. Here's an application that it's intended for. Can you do it at the level that, um, you know, at, at a standard that, that, that is across the board, like, man, that, I mean, that, that seems perfect, right? And, and yeah, that'd be and, a lot and, of fun. But that sounds like Call of Duty. It's like, no, I don't want this one. No, uh, I don't. yeah, I'll take this one. <laughs> I'm not a big yeah. gamer, but I've seen enough of it, you know. And I've got kids and everything else, and um, right. I think that would be awesome. The only thing that I would ask is the stuff is at least decently sided in. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, but 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 I think that's that's you know, I don't know. It, that's it part seems- of it. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. Like, or or you have to bring them. Like, you know, but but again, like the cost and the reality of that. But 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 you know, just personally, and and I, I feel like you're you're the same way. It's the idea of of getting familiar with what, how, why, and you know what makes this work, and why do we test it this way? And yeah, is there other stuff we could do with it? And it's cool that that people are always pushing that, like with the twenty twos, shooting them further. Or with the PRS, you know, shorter time, smaller targets, or positional stuff where you know you still maintain those fundamentals. Or or biathlon, I'm fascinated with biathlon. You know, the idea that that you have 100 people that could all win, and they're all shooting with their heart rates at 180, and what separates them all is mistakes. You know, they're they're all fast, they're all fit, and they can all win but you start making subtle mistakes and they, and it, they, you know, it's like, man, I, the idea that, you know, literally a hundred people at this match could all win. They all have the skill, the ability. And yet what's going to separate them is they're doing this crazy shit where now they're going to start making mistakes. Um, you know, I, I love that. Like, okay, let's make this complicated yeah. enough because we're all at a high level. Like, you know, is that going to start to, come into the precision world at, at PRS or PRS Rimfire. Like, look, you know, if you take the top shooters, they're all pretty amazing. Let's set a yes. course of fire where, where, where we, where we know they, they could all win, but complicated enough where it's sorted by mistakes um, rather than, you know, just, you know, timing or, or the target or what, you know, what, 
whatever. Like, you know, I think that, that shows that, that like the biathlon has had so much testing. And I think you see that with pistol shooting, like the level of pistol shooters out there is so incredibly high that it's, it's not a, it, it, it's not as simple, right? It, it, it's just so refined that, that it's, um, it's a mistake thing or, or, uh, subconscious, you know, it, it's past all of the thought stuff. And, and I think in a lot of these disciplines that are still out there now, like PRS room fire, you know, like it, there's still that conscious, we're still thinking our way through it. And that's why you see people continuing to get better you know, in a mound, but they haven't masked up at the top. You know, once they mass up at the top, how are you going to separate them? And then it's like, man, yeah. that's, that's where it becomes like the master grandmaster, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, I think it's still headed there, but, but, but that opens up a lot of crazy opportunities for spinoffs. And um, yeah, there was a, there was a match. I'm going to leave it unnamed, but there was a big match they held in, I'll just say in the East coast and eight people cleaned the entire match in a rimfire match. And so they all won and it all came down to the one tiebreaker stage. That's, that's what it came down to. And so, you know, just think how sucky that would be to actually shoot a perfect clean for an entire match for the entire day. And just because you had one little fumble or one little thing on your speed stage, now all of a sudden you went from first place to eighth place and you did no wrong. It was just that yeah. speed stage. But yeah. um, no, that that's, that, that actually happened here. Bit, but... Yeah, that that's actually crazy. happened. Uh, eight people cleaned it. And there were a lot of complaints. They said, well, you know, you need a stage or two that's really going to separate that, you know, where, where it's almost impossible to get a clean on it. And so they did change it up and it's, it's turned into a better match. You can't have that many people cleaning the match. It just, it doesn't right. work well. Right. Right. right but right. no, it's, but, uh, it's been, it's been, uh, I'd say of all the years I've been shooting, uh, it, it's awesome. All the different disciplines you can do now. And, I don't know. With all the long range, it's like everybody's a long range shooter now. Everybody's into it or they want to get into it, you know? Right, right, It's right. so easy. Well, it's addicting. Plug, yeah, it's super easy to get play. into and it's addicting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's growing and changing. And, and I like that the new pockets that pop out, like that, that, that really draws me like, oh, I want to try that too. I want to, you know, and it uh, seems like that, that, that's always growing. And then, um, the other one's like the, it's more in Texas, but the run and gun gas gun precision stuff. I haven't, I haven't done enough of, but, um, that's picking like up the really heavy yeah. here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, there are a lot of running guns. Um, there's a place that I teach at here. It's, it's an unbelievable range. It's called, um, big Ivy Silas branch and they own a lot of property and it's a unique venue in that there's more wind there than any other place I've ever shot at, especially on the East coast. And, you know, when I hold classes out there, I mean, it's nothing at a thousand yards to be holding five, six mils. Last class I taught, they were having to hold like six mils with their six millimeter because you're shooting mountaintop to mountaintop. And the way oh, the man. wind comes through the Valley, you don't really have the indicators like foliage and things like that. You know, you're trying to focus in on Mirage, but you're literally mountaintop to mountaintop. And it's not like that the whole way because uh, as as I teach the class, we start at the bottom, you know, and you're getting your chronograph speeds and your zeros out to 200, but then everybody has to hop in side-by-sides and you go up to the next station. 
The next station, you can engage targets from like 400 to about seven. But that's it. You can't go further and you can't shoot any closer. But then you got to go up to the next station. Then the next station, you can do like 600 to 890. And then you got to go to the very top of the mountain. And then that is 700 to like a thousand. So it's a really unique place. It's very tough to shoot out there. It really is. But you learn so much just because it's not as easy as a little flat range where you, you know, you can see all the grass and everything else. Um, it's really cool, but they're getting ready to do a running gun out there. Now I couldn't imagine doing a running gun out there. And I actually talked to one of the guys that's putting this thing on. And I was like, you couldn't pay me to run up the side of that mountain. It's so steep that these side by sides, and they spend a tremendous amount of money putting these roads in, but they have to be in four wheel drive. They have to be in low and when you're coming up the hills, it's like this, just to get from one station to the next. I'm like, how are you going to do a running gun? And they're like, bear crawl running gun? Uh, yeah. I said, I th- what I've heard, and I don't know this for a fact, someone told me they're going to take everybody to the top and they can go down through the match. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to blow out knees too, because I know how that is, especially when you're carrying gear. But it's better than the alternative of going up the hill. I couldn't imagine. That's probably some of that stuff that you do. You know, with I was like, shit, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm not interested. That, that seems awesome, man. Well, I, I mean, well let out. me know how it goes. Could give some kind of report or AAR if you're if you're if you go watch it or or if anybody does it, I'd be fascinated. You know, this year, yeah, my I'm going to be out of, of commission. But yeah, I'm going to be out of the country when they're doing that match because I was trying to find out the dates and everything else. And unfortunately, I'm going to I'm going to do some traveling this summer. Um, I think after Blade Show, I'm going to head out to out to Jordan and then probably Cairo and then some other places. And I'll be gone for a little while, but um, just do some things that I wanted to do that I haven't been able to do in a while. And uh, I'm going to miss quite a few matches because of that, but it's okay. It's okay. There's plenty in the fall and spring. Okay. uh, Man, my whole year was blown because of this back thing. So I I could, you know, I mean, shit, like, you know, it's just, we got to sometimes just say like, you know what? Like, you know, you got to travel. That's awesome. I got to recover. That's awesome. Next year, I'll be back 100%. But, but, how many surgeries have you had? A lot, a lot. Probably 18. Yeah. 18 orthopedic surgeries from trauma and stuff. But, but this one is unusual because, um, (laughs) yeah, man, I'm I'm just getting more metal. But, but uh, this one has been weird. Like, you know, unlike knees or I, you know, I got bolts in my neck and I got a you know, rebuilt shoulder and, and some stuff that was moved around in my chest. And, and, uh, this one is weird just because on your lower back, you, you know, you can't twist or bend and the bone has to heal, but you also can't have weight. So, so being restricted to only holding 18 pounds and then having to wait four months to see if the bone is growing before, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's really unusual. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I've done a lot of recoveries from surgeries, but this one is like, I can walk. That's it. You know, and so is that uh, you what you're doing for exercise? You're just walking. Yeah. And yeah. I just, yeah, I walk like, you know, they say, well, do more frequent, you know, shorter walks. But, you know, I, I, I end up walking like six to 10 miles a day cumulatively just just because like shit that's all i can do you know i can't yeah. shit, but i mean you, you know i don't you don't think about it but when you go to the grocery store or you go, you know costco or something like that how often are you carrying more than 15 pounds and, and it's man so so i have to make like 
five or six trips between the car and my yeah. apartment. Like, you know, it, 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 this has been really weird. Um, this has been a really weird experience, you know, it's pretty, pretty bizarre, but, but I do think that the prognosis is good and I should be able to be back to hundred percent with no restrictions or limitations. So yeah, um, we're not spring chickens anymore, Chris. No, no, we're not, we're not. But, uh, you know, I do want to be able to get back. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if the sniper adventure challenge, I like new things, but, but my, I've got a couple physical outlets that I'd like to train for. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know other than shooting uh but but with the shooting stuff i really want to try the um the air gun stuff and and i would like to you know get prs points i was hoping to do that this year might i'll do that next year and then the running guns and um you know kind of keep exploring out into those those territories and then i would really really like the precision gas gun stuff to pick up so i'm hoping you know, that maybe next year we'll be able to start trying to be shoulder to shoulder with bolt guns, with gas guns. And so I would probably shoot gas guns at PRS too. And, 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 and the stuff where, you know, you're not quite as competitive, but, but it's just about there. Like maybe they'll have the arcs tuned up for that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll keep chatting about it, but, but it's hard to, it's hard to make yeah. those plans. Um, and this year I had a lot of plans that I had to just basically shelf. So next year that's going to be, that's going to be the deal. Um, you're going to try to do snipers know. unknown this year. I don't know when it is. Uh, is I won't be October? able to shoot till, Oh, that it might work. Um, hit me up with the dates because by October I should be shooting again. Um, yeah, they're going to hold uh, it at the Clinton house this year, I believe, which they haven't done that in a while. Cause the last couple had been at GTI. That's when I saw you out there and I didn't shoot it last year. Cause, um, my partner blew his knee out, so it was like, no, we had to cancel last minute. But we might shoot it again this year. I'm not sure. Like I said, Clinton House is nice because it's natural terrain. While GTI is awesome, you know, you can't convey how awesome that place is. You know, after about two years, it's time to move on to a different venue, I think. So we'll see how it goes. Right, right, right. I'll look into it. You know, by the fall, I should be able to shoot it. The problem is, like, leagues and seasons are kind of washed out, Um you know, I'm going to be helping out at guardians after, after the Washington one. Um, okay. You know, so I'll be involved with, I'll be involved with the guardian matches on the train up day. Um, and then, uh, you know, just trying to fill in some competitions and, you know, while I'm getting back in shape just to, to, to read, yeah. you know, cause I really haven't shot much since September. Um, and, uh, you know, just try to get back on it. You know, I'm, I'm not worried. I mean, time off is, I'm off, you know what I mean? Like it comes back fast, but it's really fun. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that fun and seeing friends and, and, and doing that stuff. Um, yeah, it's always but I appreciate you coming on. Sure. I, I gotta, um, do like a call to my, my kiddos and for, for bedtime okay. and, and figure, figure things out. But, but man, it was so fun talking to you. I want to get you back on and keep picking your brains about, I want to pick your brains about pistols and, yeah. um, you know, every, every, everything that you do. So maybe we can kind of like do this more often. Like once yeah, a month. Yeah, we'll yeah, absolutely. We'll yeah, likewise. Chat so, with yeah, Ray. It's turned into more of a catching up type uh, podcast than it was uh, talking about shooting, but it was fun. Yeah, man, I don't care. I mean, we're, you know, I consider you a good shooting friend and, and we've had a lot of fun together. So it's just nice to chat. Likewise. Man, I've been isolated and it's nice to be able to just catch up with people and see your face. Uh, 
for yeah, sure. That's cool, Likewise. Man. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm I'll really come on excited. anytime you want and uh, let me know. Just stay in touch. Thank you. Take care, man. You All right. Care. Well, you have a good night. See you. Uh, you as well. Bye. Bye.